to this episode of Getting Into Good Trouble, where we get into good trouble so you don't have to. I'm your host, Isla. I'm Fia. I'm Lydia. And I'm Grant. Today, we will dive into the topic of Brexit, where the United Kingdom leaves the European Union. This episode is going to explain the effects of Brexit, the protests, and the potential outcomes. Brexit began when citizens of the United Kingdom decided to leave the European Union. In a referendum on June 23, 2016, 52% of people chose to leave and 48% decided to stay. This happened because many were worried about the UK's control, immigration, and trade rules with the EU. After the vote, there was a lot of change in the UK leadership with new prime ministers trying to figure out how to leave the EU. The official process started on March 29, 2017, and after negotiating for about two years, the UK left the EU on January 31, 2020. David Cameron, the UK's Prime Minister at the time, organized the Brexit vote in 2016, even though he wanted the UK to stay in the EU. He quit after the vote favored leaving. Theresa May offered a 10-point New Deal on Brexit to MPs following the cross-party talks. It was her final offer before she resigned as Prime Minister. Both Cameron and May were big parts of the Brexit process at different times. The UK is mainly divided into the Conservative and Labour parties. These two parties make up most of what the public eye sees. The Conservative Party prioritized getting Brexit done, aiming to unleash the country's potential and overcome obstacles placed by other political parties. The Labour Party has multiple views on this issue. The Labour Party wants to renegotiate Brexit with a new deal and then let the public vote on it. Some people in the party worry that losing votes to other parties on either side of the Brexit debate. The party feels more confident focusing on other important issues like poverty and public services. They trust the people to decide on the final Brexit deal in the vote. But how is any of this Brexit stuff relevant now? Well, the UK is implementing new immigration laws just after changing them at the end of 2020. Following the pulling out of the EU, more people from the non-EU countries started coming than those from the EU countries. That's because before, Anybody in the EU could get to the UK without a passport, but now they are treated the same as people from a different continent. In 2022, the net migration was shown to be 745,000, a record high. By spring of 2024, to get a visa, they will have to have a job offer with a salary of almost 40,000 pounds. Another thing that is recent with Brexit is the Windsor Framework. The Windsor Framework is an agreement between the EU and the UK, iterating protocol for Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland can still trade goods with the Republic of Ireland as they are still in the EU single market for goods, even though they are part of the UK. But as of October 1st, the Green Lane Red Lane system was implemented. We spoke with Bruce Morley, a lecturer in economics and undergrad admissions tutor at the University of Bath. We received some fantastic insights to share. The Green Lane Red Lane system reduces the security of goods from Great Britain that are staying in Northern Ireland. Some, such as the Democratic Unionist Party, one of the biggest Northern Ireland, disagree with having any internal UK border. What were the main factors that led to the decision for the UK to leave the EU? Um, Oh, I I think there was probably quite a lot of factors that sort of built up over the years. Um, It probably started, I I suppose, when the UK, this is a long while ago now, but the UK joined something called the European Exchange Rate Mechanism, which was a, a part, which was an attempt to sort of peg the exchange rate um, of European countries. Um, and as you probably know, in 1992, Britain was forced out of the exchange rate 
And I think that sort of did create a, a fairly negative feeling towards uh, the European as a whole. Um, but I, I think there were probably other factors as well. Th th there is a feeling, I think, in the UK that it's not particularly democratic. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there's also a feeling that it's excessively bureaucratic and interferes a lot in, in a way a country's are run um, and a country's laws and also countries' economies, not just the UK, but this would be the same for other members of the EU. And I, I think this is probably a, a theme in other countries as well. There is a fair amount of uh, antagonism, I suppose, in, in other countries too towards the European Union. So I, I, I don't think this was something which was a snap decision that sort of occurred on 2016. I think this has been building up for the previous 20, 30 years. Yeah. And, and also the, some of the regulations, I think, were, were what, and the attempts to have common regulations across the EU. Um, and, and the one which I suppose you could argue is perhaps uh, most recent was something was a, was a regulation of the financial system. Um, and, and the UK has a financial system which is very similar to America's. And so, whereas Europe is very different, it's much more bank-based, whereas the UK and the US are very much financial market-based. And so the regulations that were brought in had a particular effect on, on the whole of Europe, including the UK, and made the UK uncompetitive um, to an extent and, and perhaps unable to compete with America and Singapore, uh, Japan. Yeah. So... Uh, Broadly speaking, I think it, it was a build-up of concerns over a very wide range of, of issues. What challenges did the UK face during the negotiation process with the EU regarding Brexit, and how were they addressed? Lots of problems, as, as I'm sure you're aware, political problems. Um, the, although the UK voted, what was it, 52% to, for, for Brexit in terms of ordinary people, in terms of politicians, the, they... I, probably, what, 70% of politicians voted against it. So the politicians were determined to block it if they could, and uh, that was where the main problem was. There was lots of legal attempts to block it. In the end, they had to call another general election, in, in, which was basically a general election on Brexit. Um, that was in 2019. And uh, the pro-Brexit um, MPs, well, the pro-Brexit party, I should say, uh, which was then the Conservatives, won overwhelmingly a very big majority. Um, that has again changed. And we've now, had, as you know, there's been all sorts of chopping and changing going on in the UK. We've now, so there was a very uh, pro-Brexit um, uh, sort of stance by the party, and that's now become uh, much less of a pro-Brexit stance. And um, so, th that, that, so that that is, I think, the main difference, is that the, the politicians are on the whole, have been determined not to ha or to have as weak a Brexit as possible uh, and to water down the, the, the Brexit vote in 2006. And that has caused all sorts of negotiating problems. Um, but apart from that, the main sort of negotiating problem was Northern Ireland. Uh, as I say, I don't think they've sorted it out even now. And I suspect they'll go, we'll be coming back to that. How have public opinions regarding Brexit evolved since the decision in 2016? Um, it's, it's quite tricky to say. Um, so, as, as I said, 2016, 52% voted for Brexit. I saw recently an opinion poll saying that 56% now wanted to go back into the EU. But that's an opinion poll. And opinion polls had uh, and uh, had a, a vote not to, not to leave 
EU, not not uh, for Brexit, uh, prior to 2016. In fact, as you know, the vote was a, a big surprise um, because the opinion polls hadn't predicted it, and nor had the government, um, nor had any any of the establishment either. It, it took everyone by surprise. So I'm not sure how much you can read into uh, opinion polls on this particular matter. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's changed or, or not. Um, certainly, uh, the UK economy, uh, like the, I suppose most economies, is, is not doing particularly well at the moment. And uh, so you could argue that perhaps there are some people now uh, are arguing that that's due to Brexit. Although I think the reason we're UK economy is suffering so much is, is the same as everybody else's uh, economy. It's due to inflation. And inflation really was a supply shock particularly um, energy prices and uh, uh, food prices as a result of um, coming out of the pandemic, but also the war in Ukraine, I think, has also had an effect. So it's very difficult to say if, if Brexit has affected the economy that that much. I'm not convinced myself it's had a, that much of an effect. I think mo our problems at the moment are more to do with the, the supply shock and uh, the, the the fact is we didn't we kept we lost uh, our, our sort of view if you like of inflation uh uk didn't start rising raising interest rates as quickly for instance as the U, as the us did as your federal reserve uh, raised them much more quickly and much more aggressively than the uk and so us does have lower inflation although similar sorts of interest rates at the moment um but I'm not sure. I, I, it's very difficult, I think, to say if, if public opinion has changed that much. I was reading a paper the other day, um, which, which was looking at a questionnaire from, I think it was 2013. And uh, in, in 2013, the questionnaire said that 52% uh, would support Brexit. And obviously, everyone, no one took any notice of this. Um, so when people actually have to vote or fill out a questionnaire, I, I think there probably is more more uh, support for Brexit than there is if they're just uh, rang up and asked questions by a, a, a polling company. So I'm, I'm not convinced it, that um, the public opinion has changed that much, although certainly politically they are, we are moving back towards anti antagonism to Brexit. So that there is a big division between the, the MPs and, and ordinary people in the UK on, on this matter. So I, I do think we will now start to slowly move back towards EU and uh, be simply because of both, all the political parties want it. Let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons of Brexit. So like when we think of the pros in Brexit, I would definitely say that the UK is more independent with their budget. So they don't have to contribute to the EU budget. So so now they can like spend it on like what they want to spend it on, more like public services, healthcare, education, infrastructure. That's like really big to have an independent budget. Um, that's definitely a pro. And then looking over at the cons, um, it's definitely the economy. I mean, that's the most significant disadvantage. So like the Brexit impact on the UK economy is heavily relevant on trade with the EU. And Brexit could like potentially barriers and disruptions within that um but like a bunch of businesses have already located their operations um to other eu countries since like they were previously in the uk so this could lead to job losses in the uk and i'm pretty sure that it also um is connected to the farmers yeah it really is connected to the farmers because of the withdrawal from the eu Farmers currently receive like no payments under the EU's yeah, common agriculture sure. policy, and they're not able to sell their crops to the EU, which is also making them like lose money and all of that. 
that's a huge disadvantage. Yeah. I feel like a big pro would be immigration. It's been way down uh, since before them leaving the EU. I, I just think that's good for the government uh, to keep everybody, like, know what's happening. Um, I just think that a con for this is that Northern Ireland doesn't really have a say in the border between Great Britain. And since there's so many more people in other parts of the UK, the trade system will never be ideal. Yeah, I think that connects. Yeah, and like that connects to, to what I said as well. Right, and like now that it is the only external uh, EU land border between the United Kingdom and the European Union. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. All things considered, the journey of Brexit has been a complex and chaotic one, leaving an inedible mark on the political, economic and social landscape of not just the United Kingdom, but also the broader global stage. Thank you for listening to the Getting Into Good Trouble podcast. Please come back and look out for future episodes.